0: Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are discussing Hawkeye season one, episode three, Echoes, 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 all that and more of a set we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Jeff Randall. We don't have Matt here today. He's in Vegas, uh, but he's still going to edit this, so he's still doing work, but not all of the work what a slacker but joining me today for the uh we'll call it late night in quotes hawkeye where they stay up and i don't and then we record later <laughs> i have matthew fox from the superhero ethics podcast as well as star wars universe podcast you've got so many
1: that's true that's a good number to start with
0: just the two two <laughs> And then all the way over from the marketing department, in charge of all of that, over here at Stranded Panda, we've got Melissa Khalil. Good morning,
2: or afternoon slash evening, whenever you're listening to this, I suppose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, Melissa and I were up. We were like, okay, we're ready to record. I was going to propose recording, because I realized that meant I would have to edit. So, here we are. It's, it's the next night. I'm, I'm a lot happier.
0: Yeah, I mean, that gives you more time to watch it again right. anyway, right? That or feel like it was ages ago. And <laughs> what day is it? Because, <laughs> you know, watching at 2am is like, if you stay up super late, then your brain has like already quit hours ago, and you're trying to watch, and you're like, this is fun, but I'm not going to remember any of it. <laughs> or you woke up, and your brain has not yet functioned because you haven't had your caffeine, or whatever it is that you do in the morning because you're watching Hawkeye. And then how am I going to remember this? Because my brain's not functioning. I, brain function doesn't happen that early in the morning is what I'm trying to
1: get at. Like either way, I, I will say this, this is now the second time that I've stayed up, been ready to watch it, gotten myself totally psyched up. So I wouldn't go to sleep. And then we didn't record. So I think like, if we don't do the third time, we're just going to set our, our live stream time as, like Wednesday morning.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think we might need to temper our expectations due to our uh, increased mm-hmm. age at this point speak for yourself we've grown out of that wandavision phase right (laughs) we stay up soon no i i fully intended to just take a brief nap and get up at 2 a.m and watch the episode and record with you guys i was all about it i forgot to set my alarm though so it
2: happens it happens i mean two weeks in a row is a little bit you know but whatever
0: it's fine well Okay, no. The last time I was like, I'm just going gonna to stay talk up. About this episode. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Last last time I was going to stay up, I was like, I got this. Oop, I don't got this. This time I was like, I'm going to head myself off. I'm going to take a nap, and then you know, next time I'll get it. I'll, I'll get it right next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, this time we need to talk about Hawkeye. Yes. I don't want to start. The discussion on this episode i want to hand the ball over to fox because i know I that as imagine a, why as a as a person who is disabled um i said that right right that's the way you you're a person first
1: oh no i'm canceling your right yeah yeah i okay. a person with a disability
0: person with a dis- as a person with a disability how represented how seen did you feel
1: i was in tears Um, and and, and let me be clear, like, I've seen characters with disabilities before, and I knew going into this that, um, characters who were uh, hard of hearing or full-on deaf, uh, I I think I'm using the terms there properly, because that's not a community I'm part of, and that those are communities, to be clear, that often do not see themselves as disability, but are part of the larger conversation. I knew that those issues were going to be present. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that the character, and by the way, the actor who plays Echo, were going to have a prosthetic leg. Um... Not And I looked to say, it wasn't CGI or anything like that. The actress doesn't have, uh, has a prosthetic leg. And and it's, the kind she uses is very much the same as mine. Uh, it's the same leg. It's the same type of amputation. We call it BK, a below the knee. At least I think, it's, uh, I think it's BK from what I can tell. And it just, it, it, I mean, it's just wonderful to see a character like that to begin with. And certainly doing things that I can't do. Someone's spending a lot of money for her prosthetic leg. <laughs> and she's also she's in much better shape, which helps. But there were so many little details about it. And there were just two in particular I wanted to lift up. One was early on when it is the young girl, the young version of Maya of mm-hmm. Echo. And I don't think that actress actually had a prosthetic leg, but they kind of did some cool makeup CGI stuff. Although maybe, maybe she also did have a prosthetic leg, I'm not sure. But you can see that for the most part, especially when she's with the kids before she gets on the mat at the martial arts studio, she's doing everything she can to keep her leg out of view you know, the way she's sitting, and even there's one moment when, like, her father and then her uncle, which I think we're going to talk about her uncle in a bit, um, (laughs) is, like, comes over to say goodbye to her and she makes a point as she sits down to place her backpack right in front of her prosthetic leg. And I just, I identified with that moment so hard. I think that was when I first started really tearing up, was just because, like, I know that struggle of, like, not wanting to be seen as different, not wanting to be seen as weird, especially to kids, although to adults can be just as cruel about it. Um And then also, in the middle of the fight scene, she was doing these incredible fight things, she was using her leg in, like, cool ways, like that time where, like, she blocks when Hawkeye, I think, has, like, a staff of wood that he's trying to hit her with, and it just breaks because he's hitting a metal rod with it. But after after she's fought for a while, she's still in great shape, she's still doing well, and she's walking down a hallway, and she has just a tiniest bit of a limp. It's just a little bit of favoring her leg in a way that I've done so often, and I just there was so much about the way her her deafness and Hawkeye's hard of hearingness were also treated that I'm not part of those communities, but from what I've read from others has been was also treated fantastically, and I just thought it was amazing. But but just that detail I thought was uh, so good, and I have no idea if that's the writers like wrote that or if the actress was just like, hey, I know this life, this is what we should do, yeah. but it just. After seeing so many characters where magic or superpowers or whatever healed them, seeing her have a prosthetic leg, seeing her deal with the issues of having a prosthetic leg, while also being utterly badass, it was just, uh, representation matters. It's so uplifting, like,
0: spiritually, emotionally, like, my heart is full at hearing how much... You know, everybody in every, in like all of the communities that were represented in this episode, how great they felt about it. Like, cause, you know, you felt so great with, uh, you know, having the, the below the knee amputation or the below the knee, uh, prosthetic and then, you know, the deaf community and hard of hearing community, they, they are seeing their representation. I mean, we've even seen in the Strain of Panda Chat where, uh, you know, the indigenous people are finally getting mm-hmm. represented in a character that is utterly badass. Yeah. It's just so good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, not only is the show just really freaking good, it's also just great for people to be represented and for people to feel seen on, on, you know. I see a hero, I mean, it's probably... we. We understand she's probably going to end up being a hero, but I see a badass person on screen who has my condition, looks like me, whatever. Like, I, I'm i represented there.
1: Yeah.
2: It's awesome. Fox, thanks so much for calling out those details, because I never would have noticed that. Like, the favoring of the mm-hmm. leg or, you know, putting the backpack, you know, in front of the leg and trying to hide it from the other kids. Never would have noticed that. Oh, yeah. I love that opening scene so much more now.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and Jeff, I want to ask you, or most you may well know as well. I, I haven't touched the, the comics about Echo. Is the character also in Amputee who has a prosthetic, or is that something? Uh, because my sense is that they were looking for a deaf native actress, and the one they found who was great also had a prosthetic. So they were like, cool, the character has a prosthetic now. I, did, is the character in the comic books with a prosthetic as well, or is that... Did it just come out of the, the actress?
0: Honestly, I don't know. I haven't read that many comics with Echo in it uh, or in them. I guess um, I know that she's deaf. I don't necessarily know that she has uh, a prosthetic leg. Um, like just looking at the at the wiki, her uh, you know, and her abilities or whatever. You know, like m- much like every uh, everybody else who's a hand to hand combatant is Olympic level athlete. You know, strong martial artist, highly skilled yeah. acrobat, gifted ballerina. If it is that, that she doesn't, like, that the character didn't have a prosthetic and they were just like, cool, ship
1: it. I like it. Like, <laughs> she's great. You know, that character has that now, like, tack it on. Yeah. And looking up now, according to Screenrand, at least, that's what they said. They said, uh, the actress is an amputee, unlike the original character. So the MCU's version of Echo has been adjusted to have a prosthetic leg as well. And to me, that's like, I, you know, so often it's this person could never get cast because they have a disability unless the yep. character has it. And so for them to be like, eh, we can have this exact same character, but with a prosthetic leg. Why not? Like, that, that just, I, I promise I'll shut up about this so we can talk about the rest of the episode. But that is just like, it, that to me is just like the greatest representation thing that can happen.
0: Yeah. It's, and I feel like that's the best way that it can happen rather than being like, you know, this is a character specifically like we're looking for specifically a deaf person or right. specifically an amputee. Like, it's just it's a it's a disability that she has that has not held her back and they just rolled with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that it helped her because she kicked Hawkeye in the head and it hurt like a bitch because <laughs> it got hit with a metal stick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the I love the way they played with the sound in this episode mm-hmm. like that's the one thing that that really stuck with me obviously as as a hearing person um it's it's something that you often take for granted you know mm-hmm. in in that you can hear and you know sense the world around you through your ears and know when something's coming know when you know someone's talking to you know what someone is saying to you help like. As a kid, looking like watching the teacher at the front of the classroom as she was talking at the board while writing, I had no problem, and I I know now that like that was me just completely taking that for granted because Maya Maya Lopez as young girl cannot understand the teacher there as the teacher looks at the board she's getting like a couple of words here and there as the teacher turns around. Mm-hmm. And God, it just, it, it kills me. You know, it, it just, it kills
2: me. Like there were so many moments during the whole episode where, you know, he didn't have his hearing aid and like we only got half the conversation a lot of times.
0: Mm-hmm. Or yeah, the very muffled, oh, like when he was on his phone with the kid oh, and oh. he was trying, he was talking to Nathaniel and she was writing it down for him <laughs> He said, there might be a little bit of a delay, buddy. Like, oh, God. Rip my heart out. <laughs> that was the first moment I actually
2: started to like Kate Bishop. Not that I mm, dislike yeah, her, okay. but I think that was the first moment. I was like, I can, I think I can roll with you. I think I like you.
0: <laughs> it was just so sweet and wholesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was like the most selfless thing that she's done.
1: Yeah. And and we'd seen her like not she wasn't being a jerk about it, but she just was having trouble remembering like all the things I take for granted about how I communicate with him, I can't do. Mm-hmm. And and I'll admit, here's what I'll tell on myself a bit about my own assumptions. We were like ten minutes into this episode, and like I, I try to avoid tokenism in terms of the guests that I get on for my own podcast, but when there's an issue that's very relevant that from experience I don't have, I like to be able to have a guest on who can speak from that experience. And I'm already yeah. thinking, like, I want to do an ethics episode about representation of this. I need to, like, talk to people I know who know some of the really good, like, commentators out there, and find someone who's deaf, who can join me on a podcast. And I was like, yeah, sure, that will be great. And and then watched that scene, and was like, Oh wait a minute! I need to think this through a little bit further because I'm just assuming like that, you know. uh And and you know have, have reached out to folks and and there's a number of deaf people who do podcasts and there's ways that they make it happen. I think it's fantastic. And so, but it was yeah. Is that one moment where I realized like I was just taking it for granted like oh yeah we could do that without any of the issue. And I just yeah that that scene with with the the translation uh, it was so good. The way that um they kept cutting the sound and and just. I really appreciated that they named that there's a difference between hard of hearing and deaf. you yeah. know, and and again, it's not one it's not it's not a community I'm part of. I don't know the specifics of it, but I also know like that that it's just like a throwaway scene, but there's a moment where echo like takes out his hearing aid and smashes it, not just because like he's her enemy, but because she says, like you're relying on that. you don't need to. Mm-hmm. and I as an outsider, I know that the you know debates about like, should you use assistive technology or should, you know, People just have to learn to communicate with you or, or whatever it is, are, are, are ongoing discussions and debates within those communities. So I just, I just, there was so much intelligence in how this was done. You know, there was so much yeah. um just thoughtfulness that I, I just was really, really appreciated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not
0: only of that, with, you know, great representation and, and handling things in a really smart way. The episode also I don't wanna I don't wanna be like it it had stuff for the dumb people too, but like <laughs> along with being really thoughtful, it was a just super action-packed episode and we got oh, yeah. to see like all of the trick arrows being used and mm-hmm. and the, like the the great communication between them of like you know she uses the putty arrow and he's like you're gonna want to use the putty arrow on their wheels <laughs> like, not even seeing that she's already done it mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. it's gone already <laughs> So like, <laughs> I, I will say it again major peter parker
2: tony stark vibes With these two. Oh, yes. The plucky little apprentice with the
1: annoyed... (laughs) The annoyed, grizzled veteran. Yeah. (laughs) I hadn't even thought of that, but you're right. It's so... Like, his whole thing about, like, the overconfidence, can can we be done with that now? (laughs) Um, And and just talking about a great part of the episode that does tie back to the the representation thing a bit, but it's also just about how good it was. It is easy to laugh at disabled people. It is a lot harder to find humor in situations around people who are disabled, or who are hard of hearing, or who are sight impaired, or whatever it is. yeah. And so, the fact that they managed to have, you know, the two of them communicating was hilarious. But it yeah. wasn't making fun of him. It wasn't like, his hard of hearingness wasn't the butt of the joke. It was situations where people who can't communicate are trying to communicate are really funny sometimes. And, yeah. and just, I, I love that. And <laughs>
0: And I love that she was still, like, she was still screaming at him, <laughs> and he couldn't hear. Like, obviously he can't hear her, but he's like, nope, can't, can't use that arrow, can't do that one. No, no, no. And I said, "Not on. nope. And then lets her have it, and she's, like, at one point she was like, look at us, we're communicating. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, she's like, I think... I think this would go a lot easier if we were faced the other way. And he's like, I think it would be a lot easier <laughs> if we were faced the other
2: way. Oh, on multiple occasions. They were just oh. on the same like brain length. They were on the same
1: page, yeah. 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 So it talks about the, arrows, the dog. <laughs> talking about the heroes, should we talk about the fact that for once we did not see Stark Tech, but we saw another um Pim name? We saw Pim Tech in use. Oh,
0: I loved it. I mean, the rest of it was probably also Stark Tech, but you know, it it, it didn't say Stark on it. Mm-hmm. And you know, honestly, I like the way that that Pym logo looked a lot more than the way that the Stark <laughs> logo looked because I mean, it had backlighting and oh, everything. It was mm-hmm. tight. It's a mm, magnifique. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, do you think Hank Pym let him have that arrow, or was that like a like a Scott thing? Like, how do you think? How do you think he acquired the arrow?
0: Well, the Arrowhead had the Pim Technologies logo. And I, um, I'm pretty certain that Scott isn't in control of the company. I suppose. Right. But it doesn't seem like a Hank Pym thing to do.
2: That's just what I thought when I was well, watching. I was like, interesting. Let- I,
1: I guess my thought, Hank had been working with S.H.I.E.L.D. for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So oh, I thought that maybe yeah. they just have like a warehouse of like all the stuff that like because like who's been using arrows for the last thirty years, you know? Fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fair literally
0: point. no one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean he he did say for the last twenty years my job has been uh, is to have been unrecognizable, and she's like, you sucked at that, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> Because there's so many people that are like, you're Hawkeye. Did you guys remember the first episode when they were watching the musical? Do you remember when there was the big number where, you know, Rogers is like, I could do this all day. Like he, Mm -hmm. they're all at the, on the top. Rogers has his shield in front of Hawkeye, like the actor Hawkeye and like actor Hawkeye has his hand on the shield. Like, Oh God, get that out of my face. I didn't even notice that. Very much just, like, pushing that Hawkeye down.
2: Oh, mm-hmm.
0: no. <laughs> like, I hate it for him, but it's also kind of... It's real meta.
2: So that's what, It's real meta. You know? That's what we all kind yeah. of done. Like, oh, it's the Avengers, and then this guy with the bow and arrow. And Hawkeye.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't catch it at first, but I saw it Someone pointed out on Twitter, especially because... You know, Clint Barton, the real character, he sees that for sure, you know, and I think that's like, to me, there's something a little bit sad about him saying, look, my job has been to disappear for the last 20 years, because he's like, yeah, that was my job, but it would have been, like, I think there's a small part of him that thinks it would have been nice to not have to disappear, but also that he's like, it's kind of the way he's resigned himself to this, you know? Yeah. That's often been his motivation for other people, you know, it's, look, I'm just the guy shooting arrows while... Robots are picking up a city. I don't know what's going on, but yeah. let's go ahead and fight. I mean, he said my go-to or whatever is has been two sticks in
0: a string.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love how he kind of picks on himself, much like the Avengers are here, and also the guy who shoots arrows. But like, he's still the heart of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's he's like we said before, he's the fixer. He's the guy that that talked Wanda through you know coming to the to the good side he's the one that talked wanda into you know not sitting around moping in civil war like he's he's the fixer of you know he's yeah. he's the motivator to build off that
2: but going a completely different direction I think my favorite part of this whole episode was they're like, well, what happened? Who killed Ronan? I think was the question. And he goes black widow. And I was like, Oh, my, my (laughs) fragile heart, because (laughs) she brought him back from being the, Mm -hmm. being the Ronan. So she killed the Ronan persona. Oh,
1: my, my heart. It was such a beautiful moment. And I am hoping that at some point, She's going to figure it out and be like, wait, but but you told me that, like, he was dead. And, and he'll say, well, Black Widow did kill him from a certain point of view. Because, like, it is very much an echo of that scene. I don't think it's intentional, but, like, Echoes. obviously a very different direction. But that, like, you know, Anakin's Darth Vader was killed by Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Technically, by, well, not not technically, but by, from a certain point of view, it's very much the same idea. Flipped around, but it's that same idea. And I just I just loved it. It just made me like, yeah, oh,
0: that's so beautiful. It is, it, it does kind of fit that in that, you know, she, she made the Ronin go away, you know, and, yeah. and he can be like, no, yeah, the, that persona, that part of me is dead and buried and never coming back. Um, I, I do love though, uh, you know, kind of going along with that idea of like, is Ronin back? He finally mentioned it for all of us. It's kind of troubling that there's, Tech from the Avengers compound just floating around out there. Which how? I heard <laughs> that line. I was like, that thing
2: was decimated. How is yeah. there anything left? Like when that movie came out, everyone was like, wow. Well, how did the Avengers survive? How did Hawkeye survive the blast because he didn't have anything to protect himself? How did this watch survive? And what is going on with the watch? I I'm, I haven't forgotten. This is my. <laughs> th- This is my uh, aerospace engineer from WandaVision. (laughs) I need to know what the watch does.
0: I will not let it go. Uh, And, you know, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole now. Like, oh, man. Because there was was that other thing where, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the uncle. (gasps) Yes. Kate was in the the computer and looking at, at, what was his name, Kazi? Mm -hmm. She said he's employed by Sloan Limited. And Clint was like, that sounds familiar. And then that was it. Yeah. That's all we got about it. It does sound familiar. Mm-hmm.
2: Because. Tell me.
0: <laughs> okay. So, Sloan, there's a there's a character with the last name of Sloan in Spider-Man comics. Specifically in the Spider-Man 2099 comics, who is... An antagonist of Miguel O'Hara, who is Spider-Man 2099. He's the guy at the end of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse that went back in time Mm -hmm. and, you know, became that other animated Spider-Man where they were like, you, it's you. Like they did the meme. Anyway, so that character of Sloan, last name is Sloan. I can't remember his first name. He was the CEO. And president, I think he was he was in charge of the the company Alchemax, A L C H E M A X, in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. In the present, Wilson Fisk is the CEO of Alchemax, and that company Alchemax is who was basically causing the Spider Verse
1: problems. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I'm glad that we're bringing up, because I listened to the feedback episode you all did um uh, a couple of days ago, and, and one of the, or, I think it was Matt Matthew Carroll and Ashley, so none of us were on it. Um <laughs> Yeah, I was there. I was there. Okay, you all got into a conversation about, has anyone done things with the rights to, to um Wilson Fisk yeah. since Netflix? And, and what well, I kept waiting for you all to say, but you didn't, was Sony did, in Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, so I do think, like, uh, but, yeah, but the fact that there's that much of a connection lets me know that this may well be, like, I think my, my understanding is that both Sony and Marvel kind of share those rights somehow, and that, like, it, it may also be that one has the rights to animate him, the other has the rights to live action. I don't know the details, but, uh, yeah, I, I, so uh, is this where we're putting our cards on the table about the theory of who the uncle is? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I, yeah, I, I think that's it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the kingpin of it all. <laughs> the second I saw that, that hand and that suit, I was the like,
0: <gasps> that suit. <gasps> yeah, Uncle will take you home. Like, what? <gasps> <gasps> <Ooh, ooh>,
2: uh. <laughs> okay, I will say I was not on the Mephisto train really on WandaVision. I am fully on the Uncle Wilson Fisk train. Yes. For Hawkeye. And I will not be getting off.
1: <laughs> I, I was very much the Mephisto denier. Uh, so I, let me just, I I think it may be, and I certainly hope it is. Like I listened to that laugh again. I was like, that sounds a lot like a man named Vincent when he's laughing. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's two things that come up. One is I I don't think there's any way that he is actually a literal uncle. Like, and it's fine. Like it could just be like, you know, you become uncle as the family relation. But the other thing is they make a point of saying that like they wanted to send her to a deaf school But that the father doesn't say exactly why they can't, but, like, clearly, like, there was a concern that they couldn't afford it. Seems to be a part of it.
0: She said, I thought you said we could afford going to the deaf school. And he was like, I'm
1: sorry. And, And so that's where I would get. How do you have someone who is so rich as Wilson Fisk as your uncle, whether literal or just, like, a very close friend of the family, and he's not willing to be like, let me make sure this girl goes to the school that, like, she really should be going to?
2: I just want to say, Fox, don't shit on my dreams,
0: okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So in
0: comics, Wilson Fisk is not like he's not actually related to her, but he is an adoptive parent of her. Right. And uh I, I believe it's an adoptive father figure of some sort. It could be, you know, mm-hmm. call an uncle or whatever. But like he does have a hand in raising her. And it could well be that, you know, she was in, the, you know, the regular school and had that conversation with dad. Then dad goes to find, you know, some financial backing and gets in league with Wilson Fisk, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the best I can figure. That could make sense. The shop that Ronan was killing everyone in where... Oh, man. Oh. Her dad left a bloody handprint on her face. And that's what happened in the comics. Her dad left a bloody handprint on her face and... She paints a white handprint on her face just like it uh, as part of her persona. That shop was called Fat Man Automotive. Wilson Fisk is a gentleman of girth. It's true. It's true. If it's not Vincent D'Onofrio, I'm I'm going to riot. Me too. Like,
1: I'm taking it to the streets. Uh, We talked before on the the first episode um, about how... To me, this feels so much like a Netflix. show. I think a lot of us have said this. It feels so much closer to a Netflix show. And I, yeah, I've always sort of thought like I don't think Vincent D'Onofrio works as PG thirteen. Like I, the ma- like the guy who smashes someone's head off with a car door, yeah, doesn't work in most of the Marvel MCU big properties. Like you know that doesn't work on Shield. And and so to me, if we're gonna get him back, this would be the perfect time. Um, this, I, yeah. I, I, I'm going to be, be cautious, but I, I think there is a reason to hope. Caution to the wind. Let's get on this train. Well, wow. wow. Kingpin confirmed.
0: <laughs> Kingpin confirmed. I mean, so, okay. The, the way that Barton was talking about who's in charge of the tracksuit mafia, mm-hmm. it's a guy you really don't want to mess with because he'll take your head off with a car door. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he's a, he's a rich guy who's looking to grow the business at any cost. That line, that line right there convinced me. I was like,
2: yep. oh, it's him. It's Wilson Fisk. I'm ready. It's Wilson <laughs> Fisk. Here we go.
1: Get on the train. It's coming. We do know that with the blip, like timing is all over the place now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like I could see there being a way in which like, um, cause, cause I think they said that like her father was involved in some criminal stuff too. Like maybe him and Fisk met in prison. And Or, like, there's some there's some connection there, or, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It could be. Can I tell you my much wackier, completely off-the-wall, even Mephisto sounds normal compared to this theory, that will make the Fisk seem completely moderate? Sure. Tell, tell us all about it. <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> uh, I, I wish that that, that audio capture, Jeff just kind of, like, did a turn to the camera. I will say, I am so happy that so far Hawkeye is... No time-space, wiggly-woggly stuff, no Doctor Strange, no multiverse of it all. But, but in the beautiful scene between the father and the daughter, and, and Echo, they make a point of saying, like, well, do dragons exist? Maybe in other worlds. What if a dragon came to our world? <sighs> I, I want this to stay low-level, but I think that may have been Chekhov's dragon. And I don't yeah. know if it's going to be here or <laughs> in Echo's show. I hope it doesn't take over because again, I don't like the wibbly wobbly time space nonsense. But if we do get a dragon, because it's been predicted by her father, <laughs> like I will just be like, "You're brilliant." That's utterly. If that if that actually was Chekhov's dragon, I will be so. I like it. Wibble wobble. That I'll be okay.
0: I was like when that conversation was happening, I'm like, bring me the great protector. I, I need it. Give me that Shang-Chi
2: dragon. I know, I was like, Shang-Chi, are we getting him? Where's Simu Liu? <laughs> bring
1: him in. Mama wants to see him. Roll him in, I know he's hiding somewhere. <laughs> That, that could work. That could work if it's Echo, not on her own show, not on this show, but Echo winds up becoming enough part of the MCU that she teams up with with uh, Shang Chi at some point, and they face a dragon, and she gets one moment of being like, "Okay, father would want to see this." Like, God, if she just says, "Dad
0: was right when looking at a dragon," I would lose my shit. Oh my god, I would lose every ounce of it. Like my mind. Blown. My mm-hmm. mind is pre-blown in preparation for it. Yeah. So d- not to not to potentially shit on your. I don't like uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey parade. The item that was retrieved from Avengers Compound that the tracksuit mafia is looking for is a watch, a timepiece, if you will. In th- in the comic where. Sloan in the Spider Man 2099 story um, is trying to basically unmake Miguel O'Hara in the future. He goes to the past and ends up getting the Peter Parker of the now or whatever killed or beating him. Anyway, like getting him to the point to where he's probably killed and like he's trying to basically make the cascade through time thing happen and, you know, make Miguel never have existed. Um, But Miguel has a device that allows him to go back and forth to that time period and to his time period ends up grabbing Peter from that time period, taking him to his time period and like putting him in a rejuvenation chamber or some, some such, you know, hand wavy bullshit. But I don't think that the time control device was a watch. But it could well lead into some timey-wimey shenanigans, because, you know, that's how Tony made the thing, was the the hand device. It could well just be a watch.
2: After, you know, they came back, he just made it more stylish and functional. It doesn't have to go around the hand and look ugly. It's a
0: nice watch.
2: (laughs) In his many, much free time,
0: after they got back from the past. I bet he made the watch like, as the next one, the next, like, the prototype of the next version of it. The Mark II. Yeah, the Mark II. He's like, I'm gonna put that right there, we're gonna come back to it, but we got shit to do right now. Like, that's very much a Tony Stark thing to do. If they
1: don't tell that story and they tell it well, I'll I'll be very glad that people (laughs) enjoy it once you said like it goes from the past and the future it just became like the charlie brown (laughs) (laughs) i saw it i saw it on your face i was trying to check out but i was like i (laughs) i i got nothing you just
0: checked out so hard it was so funny i was like i could be saying
1: any words right now and (laughs) Don't worry, folks. I will be nowhere near a microphone when they record on Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Oh, that's gonna be so great. And I'm looking forward to Spider-Man. Like,
0: that's the thing. Like Spider-Man comes out in the middle of this series Mm -hmm. and has the multiverse shenanigans. Like, I I wonder if Hawkeye could be setting up other things that are multiverse craziness while dealing with the... (laughs) The tracksuit mafia.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, it, it's crazy to think that. <laughs> oh, poor Spider-Man and Doctor Strange are like handling like universe level issues, while poor S- <laughs> poor Hawkeye is just like working on the ground in a freaking
1: ball pit. He's <laughs> like strapped to a it's unicorn. A- I heard about the ball pit scene. And I rolled my eyes, and then I saw it. it was so well done, like oh, Hawkeye perfect. the land shark moving through the. <laughs> I, I thought. <laughs> Sorry, I thought
0: of. Oh god, <laughs> I thought of the Big Bang Theory when Sheldon was just like crawling around in the ball pit. Bazinga. Like, popping it out of random parts. I was like, are we really going to get that? And then he, like, stabs
1: the guys in the feet. Ugh. That was so good. The stab was beautiful, but I, I now have to ask a question. And, and I, I don't know if you two have done archery, or maybe this is a question oh. for our fans. I did archery many, many, many years ago when I was at summer camp. And I, I didn't, you know, it was I was 12 years old. I was not using the kind of high caliber bows that that they are. But from what I remember from that, and also what I've, like, you know, reading little bits about, like, archery at the Summer Olympics and stuff like that, those bows have to be very finely calibrated. You know, they are, like, very precise, not delicate instruments necessarily, but, like, they're very, very finely tuned. I don't think smashing people about the head with your bow really correlates well to keeping it in good condition. Yeah, It's usually not recommended. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, that's been, like, I mean, CW's version of Hawkeye, Arrow, like, they did it to me. It is just, you need to give the person who shoots bow and arrows a melee weapon. I get it. And it's just, we all roll our eyes at it. It's fine. But I just, if a fan of ours knows, like, can you use a bow and arrow as a melee weapon and not have it completely wreck the bow? Please let me know. I mean,
2: Hawkeye can, though, because in Civil War, he, like, transformed it
1: into a a staff when he was fighting T'Challa. Right. There he at least, he changed it somewhat. But, like, here he was just using it as the bow. And so was Echo using uh, Bishop's bow. Hers was made of wood. I I don't believe that. But his at
2: least has some sort of (laughs) element of Stark tech, I'm sure. Or shield tech, something.
0: Like, when he grabs it and, like, you know, does his little yo-yo maneuver, it makes Mm -hmm. noises. Like, so, like, something is happening there that's we can't see, but hers is just a freaking recurve. Like, <laughs> it's, that's oh. not, ain't happening.
2: Oh, okay, Matt's gonna yeah. kill us because we are going okay, way over yeah. time. So, uh, we gotta get out of here. The only thing we haven't talked about is the cliffhanger at the end.
0: Cliffhanger at the end where yes. we get Jack the Swordsman, dukeen holding a, a sword, the Ronin sword, mm-hmm. to Ronin's throat. Ooh. Matt, has been pretty adamant that he thinks that Jack is a red herring. I get that. But uh, it's a a
2: little less likely now. (sighs) I feel like, (laughs) like I, I was kind of on board with
1: that, but I don't know what he's up to. (laughs) They're selling him pretty hard as a bad guy now. I mean, I, I I am much more on team, team Matt Carroll, red herring, but, but I think where they're going with, it's not that he's going to be a pure good guy. It's that, to me, part of why it feels like Netflix is that this is moral grayness all over the place. Like, yeah. everybody has an agenda, and mo- most of their agendas, like, maybe are... I mean, like, Hawkeye, being Ronan was, like, not a heroic act. Like, no. that was punisher to the worst. And, and I, I, I'm going to guess that Duquesne is nowhere near as bad as, as he's coming off, that he's going to be someone who helps them, but he does have his own agenda. Like, he's not as nefarious as he seems, but he also, like... He's out for his own agendas that may or may not overlap with what our heroes want to do.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. With that, I think we're going to put him firmly into the Xialing category of your goals align with mine right now, but when we're done here, I'm going to build my empire. Yeah. Don't you dare lump in that man with, yeah, with such a queen. <laughs> Don't you lump in that mustache with this queen. That is the mustache
1: <laughs> of a king. Thank you very no, much. No, No, every time I see it, I want to rip it off. In the world of 1970s porn, that man would have no equal. So, like, we can't call him porn stash, That's name already taken, but... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another property.
2: So, so, quick take. Yes or no, is he making it home for Christmas? Ooh. I say, at the very last second, he wanders in on Christmas morning.
0: I think he's he's going to be Santa Claus for them. Oh, I would love that. I mean, he did, he did <laughs> apologize to Santa as he ran him over.
1: The and b- it was a blow up Santa. It was, <laughs> it was just a, a, it was the, a tube man. A inflatable tube man. My, my quick take, he does make it home. I hope so. I don't want to think about
0: it if he doesn't.
1: My my, my erstwhile uh, uh, not a co-host. He promises he's not a co-host. Only a regular guest, Paul Hoppy. I don't think we'll ever watch a Marvel property again if he doesn't make it home. Like I, th- they're doing so much to set it up, and I just don't think this is the show where we're going to have that tragic a situation. I hope not. I hope yeah. I
0: hope not. Oh, God, if they. <sighs> okay. So there's. Two conditions that I will now riot on is if we get Kingpin and it's not Vincent D'Onofrio, and if Clint doesn't make
1: it home for Christmas. I am on board. Yep. I have a support. <laughs> Viva la revolution! <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of political things that might make me riot, too. But yes, in the MCU world, those are right. my two. I, you know, d- scoped to this conversation,
0: those two yeah. things are why I riot. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, I'm down. Cool. I'm down. I'm down. Right. Yeah, okay. I'm glad we've come to an agreement. Um, I feel like we've made a lot of progress on this episode. Yeah. Still
2: on Yelena Watch. Still <laughs> Still on Yelena Watch. <laughs> I feel like episode, episode four and five is going to be her time, I hope. Mm. I hope. I miss Florence. Flo.
0: <laughs> Good old Flo Pugh. You. Mm-hmm. you know, oh, I've been saying that I, I'm looking forward to when... Kate and Yelena get to interact because yes. we've got the the enamored with heroism person and the uh, done with that life person that Yelena is like having them clash. Like at first I thought it was going to be fun because, you know, Kate was going to squirm and Yelena was going to be a badass. But like, like you, Melissa, I I'm starting to like Kate. So I don't know that I want to see her squirm like that. Mm-hmm.
2: Like I said, I will always be on Yelena's side. Whatever she
1: does. (laughs) Whatever she decides. I would like to see Yelena and Kate. For me, it's Yelena and Hawkeye that I want to see. Because they're the two people who love Natasha most in the world. And to me, like, there's no way that Val is trying to, you know, shove a wedge between them. I don't think that can last. But, yeah, yeah. Like, I could see at the end, like, Clint being like, I cannot train this child Elena, you do it. And Elena being like, yeah, I can, I can take this on. I just can't wait to see the exchange between those two. Oh, it's going to be
0: heartbreaking. Or it could be that Clint has done as much training as he can. And is like, you get to be on a team with her. I trust her. Yeah. Because I know where she came from. You're in good hands. Yeah. I'm going to go retire.
2: I have a question, but
0: I don't want to lengthen the podcast. (laughs) Do it. Do it. Too late.
2: Does Clint know Yelena exists?
0: That's a good question. I do not know.
2: Because we we, we (laughs) don't know. Like, he may know she exists, but have they met? I
1: don't think so. Yeah, I don't think they would have met. And certainly Natasha didn't know she was alive, necessarily. But even if she did, the impression I got was that Natasha's friendship with Clint was a lot based on, like, we are never going to talk about pre-Budapest. Like, I am... Because in some ways, like, I, I feel like that in the same way that... Natasha killed Ronan? I think that like in Natasha's mind it would have been that Clint killed the Black Widow and allowed Natasha to come forth, you know? And I think yeah. I, she probably wouldn't have wanted to talk much about Cuba and and, and her childhood and all that. Oh, uh, that
2: was a great take. I think that's that perfect. Is,
0: perfectly
1: said. There it is. <laughs> Cherry
0: on top. I'm glad we extended this episode. Spicy. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> thank you both so much for joining me. Um, give, give a plug, everybody. Same time. No, not same time.
1: Fox first. <laughs> All right. Um, so my podcast, Superhero Ethics, uh, Star Wars Universe podcast. I'm also on the Marvel movie minute reviewing Thor, which I'm definitely going to talk about next week because we got Hawkeye's, Hawkeye's origins that the one thing I want to plug though is I'm doing an end of, I'm doing a survey of people. If you've ever listened to any of the, um, stuff that I've been on. I mean, this, uh, but also just any of my podcasts or other things I've guested on. I'm going to post it in the Stranded Panda group. I'll also try and put it up on my website, theethicalpanda.com If you don't mind, take a few minutes. Just fill it out. It should be pretty easy. I just want to get a better sense of like um, where people are coming from in terms of the stuff about my podcasts that are working for them, that's not working for them. Uh, there's a lot of kind of redesign I'm trying to do, especially about our Patreon, uh, our content, things like that. So um, check that out. it out. We're recording this on Wednesday night. It will go up Thursday in the afternoon. Uh, so please check that out and uh, fill it out. Cool.
0: cool. Speaking of redesign, uh, so what you got? That's a segue right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so as the VP of marketing, I've been hard at work redesigning the Stranded Panda Podcast Network website, which should actually be going live in the next day or two this week. What? So go to strandedpanda.com Check out the new site, click around, download some things, subscribe for the newsletter if you haven't already, because that's how you're going to find out when we're doing all these live watches and when podcasts are coming out, when trivia starts up again, all those good things. So go to strandedpanda.com, as well as I'll be hopefully starting up the tickety Talk again as well, trying (laughs) to get some more content out there, because I have been slacking. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's it's fine. You've been hard at work on the website. I've seen what you've done so far, and I'm I gotta say I'm a fan.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to that. That's gonna be awesome. Yay. Thank you again so much for doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you everyone who is listening so much for doing just that and being here on this journey with us. Let us know what you felt about this episode. If you felt represented, you felt seen, heard even. Um <laughs> You know, how much you enjoyed the, the Pim Arrow, normal arrow combination, you know, two archers in the same scene being badasses together, whatever it is that you liked. Ball, ball Pit Landshark. Ball Pit Landshark. <laughs> definitely you know, that. Definitely Ball Pit Landshark. You know, whatever it is that you enjoyed, disliked, whatever you hate us and want to tell us about it, mcucast at gmail.com is where you can send that email. Uh, what is it that Matt says at this point? It's, uh, peace. Until next time, false agnostics. Uh, Whoa, sir. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Bye. Uh,